sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Well, if you've been listening very long, you know, don't dial right this minute. We save approximately the last 30 minutes of the show for more phone calls. And, of course, we do this again tomorrow morning from 8 until 11. But right now, we get to visit with the Dirt Doctor. And uh, good morning, Howard. Good morning. How's everybody? Wet again? Wet and cold this morning. Man, it's well, it's chilly out there, but it's uh, we got a good rain out of it. I got... A little over, in fact, if you take all the three-day total, a little over an inch and a half, and that's that's just a good rain without being too much. Yeah, it. Uh, I, we didn't need it again. Our, our uh, soil was still pretty wet around here, but uh, got it anyway. It's interesting, uh, interesting <laughs> year for moisture, without any question. One of the questions I got, and I put it in my Dallas Morning News column, and uh, thought we might chat about it briefly. People were asking me if it's okay to put out cornmeal and corn gluten meal when it's wet. Mm-hmm. And it's been the only option for one thing, but with the organic program, of course, it's okay to put out any any of the products uh, when it's wet, even when it's misting. It's a good, really great time to do foliar feeding, as a matter of fact. I warn people that the only one to be careful about is dry molasses because mm-hmm. it'll just gum up yeah. so bad on your spreader, but everything else, it's fine. Well, it's just, it's like most everything else we do organically. You just have so many options. You don't ever really have to measure. If you get a little bit too little or a little bit too much, you're not going to hurt anything. And most everything, you can do it hot or cold, wet or dry. It just, uh, it's it's a program that works, and uh, and yet it's the easiest thing you can possibly do. One of my golf buddies was talking about environmental issues, and uh, it, it came up that, you know, that's why you're into the organic thing. And I said, well, you know, it's a nice side benefit, but it's really not the main reason. The main reason is that it just works better in every way. That's that's the main reason we get into it. And it's more fun, it's easier, it saves money and, uh, and all that. Uh, the fact that it's good for the environment and good for the – um, water stream and all that stuff that just comes along for the ride well i'm glad you mentioned water because it's good for water in two ways number one you're not polluting it but equally important especially for those of us here in south texas it uh you use a lot less water and um sure. you know I, I people right now people are out there applying for water permits and doing all the things that i i do in my elective position and uh it's just it's going to get dry again we're going to go back into drought and everything that helps conserve our groundwater well conserver you guys use surface water there but everything that conserves water is a good program and that's one of the things i love about your uh your uh organics for the professional book is that you actually talk about how golf courses and turf farms and places like that have greatly reduced their water use simply by going organic yeah, and it's all about mycorrhizal fungus. I think people sometimes scratch their head and wonder, how does that work? The way it works is that a plant has a tremendously larger volume of mycorrhizal fungus on the root system 
when you're using an organic program than than not. The the photograph that I have in my slideshows of a pine tree seedling right. in a growth uh, chamber, it uh, came from a um, report that um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's one of the he was one of the first in the country to really get involved in research on mycorrhizae, and he did a, a, a full-color report for a symposium, and that picture was in that report. Uh-huh. And the the cut line under it, and I don't know if I've kept, I've got the report somewhere. I need to redo that photograph and put that cut line in there, too, because it basically says that the mycorrhizae in that photograph is a million times bigger than the biomass of the actual root system. And I thought it was a typo. I thought it was you know, some, <laughs> something they made a mistake, and I called yep. him and I asked him about it, and he said, no, it's, that's uh, what it is. It's that. So can you imagine if it's that much different on a one-year-old seedling, how much it would be on a, a big plant in your garden? It, it, it is The study of mycorrhizal fungi is just fascinating and you know what you're talking about it just scratches the surface of how mycorrhizae work to protect things and uh and just so many things we don't know about them i was listening i think it was on npr oh a while back they they actually had a show on that ted talk show about mycorrhizae and that trees actually and they have demonstrated this with some uh you know radioactive uh, isotope tracing Trees actually share nutrients back and forth through the Mycorrhizal Fungi Association. And it was, uh, again, something to be real interesting to delve into. But they were talking about associations that they have found up north, of course, where they have deciduous trees like birch growing in close association with uh, evergreen conifers and discovering that the conifers are actually some of the uh, things that they manufacture through photosynthetic processes and all in their leaves. And they are transferring this to, you know, some of the deciduous trees around. And they took a hard look at that and said, how is this happening? And they found out it's actually going through the mycorrhizal fungal connections to share nutrients and uh, uh, micro or uh, micronutrients and things like that back and forth among plants and that just blows my mind i mean 20 years ago we had no idea that all this was going on out in nature well also just basic communication between the trees yeah. one the tree some trees will warn other trees about insect or diseases and those trees that are warned set up uh you know chemical changes to help block those pests that uh, may be coming their way it's just it, it's a whole different world out there yep well it's oh gosh it's there're just so many things to learn and that's one thing that i wanted to bring up this morning i mean here we are two and a half weeks away from uh the biggest gift giving holiday of the year talk about your books talk about what your favorites are talk about what the best sellers are and uh i just that's one of my favorite gifts to say recommend to people or some of howard garrett's books and some of the things you did in conjunction with malcolm years ago well the one you mentioned the organic management for the production is for people who just want more detailed information a lot of people think it's only for professionals but it's really just so you understand it on a little bit deeper level and can communicate with the people uh, in the business you talk to and 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 your purchasing and all that but it's it's still pretty basic the real basic one is the newest book organic manual 
that we did with uh, Mother Earth News. It's a redo, and it has the most detailed information about the root flare stuff and uh, things related to the sick tree treatment and the health of trees and all that. Organic lawn care is what, you know, exactly what it says. The Texas bug, and it's it's non-regionalized. It covers uh, cool season grasses for right. people up north as well as all the uh, warm season stuff that we deal with. Texas bug book, Malcolm and I did, of course. Probably still one of the leaders in sales. <laughs> the one that's not a leader in sales that should be, that's one of my favorites, is the Herbs for Texas book. A lot of people think that, I, I guess, that that's just for little old ladies with a herb garden to make sachets <laughs> or something. I, it's, it's always fascinated me. But it's deep. It's a big book, and yep. it covers culinary and medicinal herbs as well as edible landscaping and all that. Texas Gardening's the big book. It's kind of a compilation of all my books, and if you don't like it, it makes a great doorstop. <laughs> uh, the uh, te- Texas Vegetable Book is what it says. Malcolm and I did that one together. Texas Trees is the book I did uh, that goes into the most detail on uh, each tree, uh, probably. Yeah, I guess it still is in that category. And then uh, Plants for Texas is one where all the plants are listed alphabetically, both botanically and by common names. So it's a real good reference when we get a lot of feedback on it, people like using it. And then the uh, Plants for Houston and the Gulf Coast um, might be interesting for people to look at there in your area. Of course, you have people listening all over, including down in that area. But those are the main ones. There are some other books that are still out there if you work at finding them, but those are the ones that are the easiest to find. Well, I've been one of your fans long before I knew you because Plants of the Metroplex, that was that was my first Bible when it came to uh, plants that would grow both in San Antonio and in the Metroplex area. So, uh, and, and, of course, we keep a lot of them on the shelf, but people are listening from, as you say, all over the place, and you guys are actually offering uh, these things uh, through DirtDoctor.com these days, aren't you? Yeah, it's for <clears throat> raising money for the uh, for TORC, the Texas Organic Research Center, and uh, you buy it a certain level, $50, you get a membership in the Organic Club of America, you buy it uh, $75, you get not only the uh, membership, but seed from your garden and my garden, and that that's kind of cool, too, mm-hmm. you know, organic seed. We're offering something new also. By the way, before I go to that, uh, Plants of Metroplex is not listed on our uh, website. I need to get that fixed because it's still very much available. <laughs> very good. Um, we've got my art on there, too, and we'll probably need to change the title because it's down below the books on the book page and uh, maybe may fool people a little bit. The fall colors uh, painting that I did. It's actually pencil and pastel I did some years ago. We've got a few uh, signed copies of it left uh, for people, and then I've started a whole new series called Forest Breeze, and it it happened because I was, I was going to make prints of mm-hmm. it and sell the prints, but we couldn't figure out how to make prints of it. It's done on Mylar. Oh, really? You uh-huh. can't you can't shoot it. You can't. The camera shows up in the photograph, and you and a scanner. We're we're still playing with. I got about three different companies looking at how we can 
uh, we can scan it or photograph it and make copies. But in the meantime, I decided that I would make originals available to people. We've got a real good price on them, I think, for uh, Howard Garrett original, Dirt Doctor original. It's called Forest Breeze, hmm. and they're going to be on Mylar, and, and I'm also playing with a, a, a vinyl-coated paper that's not quite as shiny. Uh-huh. And it... We're gonna sell the, you know, sell originals uh, from it, but we'll also maybe be able to do prints. So for, for people that don't have 185 dollars, is what the the originals are going to cost or do cost. They're on the website now, but uh, we might be able to have some uh, prints after the first of the year, hopefully. Now, and are any of these things are, are any of these things going to be weatherproof? We're seeing more of that at some of the gift markets where. They've got some processes they do now, where mainly for a shady area, but they've got some they've got some materials out there that they're doing prints with that are made for use in the garden, not just inside. We haven't yet, but that's kind of the next step. I've been experimenting uh-huh. with all kinds of media. Um, I'm doing some big paintings, and we'll we'll put those on the website at some point and but we probably won't sell any of them until we actually have a, an art show because sure. some of them are four by eight pretty big and we're doing it on the press board i used to call masonite but mm-hmm. it's now sold as euro board and fiber board and different things in it it has a slick side on one side you know and a right. textured yeah. uh, side on the other side and we're experimenting with that and we're also doing some stuff on glass and on mirrors. That's also <laughs> tricky, I have found out. I had these great ideas about doing a lot of art on uh, on glass, but it really it's presents some problems. Kind of like, like gardening. It's not always as easy as it looks. <laughs> yeah. My favorite ones, and we may have some of them available for sale in uh, original and, and print form, pretty soon too have been done on wood on and my favorite so far is just white pine you get a good quality white pine it really uh holds the uh paint colors very very well i've been been kind of uh, impressed with that but we'll do some stuff for outside i just hadn't gotten gotten around doing that yet. <laughs> you're not busy enough as is so you've got to you got to stay even busier well, i don't know how you do everything you do howard it's uh you do so much for all of us and uh can't wait to see you know some of some of your new art i really look forward to that uh, one we've got the whole we've got photographs of all i've done so far on the website now it's uh there it'll be listed there on the right hand side on the home page and i've done a couple of uh stone and and uh, river rock pieces and i've been working on one wood sculpture for about 30 years i finally got back pulled it back out and figured out how to set up a vice so i could hold it to do what i want to do on it and it's it's going to be called i think uh cherry sponge and when you see it you'll see why i've named it that it's a beautiful piece of uh, cherry that i'm working on. well don't leave anything down at ground level or you may get a little help from a couple of four-legged friends that i know yeah, that might think they right. could they could add a few things to it well we've actually got a design studio set up now at my uh, office so they're not <laughs> there and can't can't easily get into it now but uh, that's a good uh <laughs> a good tip we could we could morning. have some tater and nelly art out there too with uh uh that uh, that's a whole other topic though <laughs> but anyway well one other thing that i wanted to share with you that is not widely not widely known at all yet is that uh 
we're uh, going to have a leadership change at the San Antonio Botanical Gardens. And, oh, really? uh, yeah, the director has decided that uh, it's time to retire. And so, uh, and I've, uh, again, this, this just came up and Bob Rackman has done a lot of incredible things for the San Antonio Botanical Garden. And, uh, but, and I was visiting with some people the other day talking about, we will be sad to see him go, but, uh, also look at it as an opportunity. And, uh, I'm very much in hopes that we can get somebody that is very attuned to organics. And I know I have a lot of support on uh, the board down there that runs things and makes the decisions and, uh, a uh, big change coming up in that the uh, San Antonio Botanical Garden is going to become totally independent of the city um, here in the very near future. Oh, wow. So as you travel around the country, uh, there's going to be, of course, it will be a countrywide search for a new leader. And uh, I really feel pretty strongly that uh, the push is going to be made to find someone that's very uh, into organics and fully accepting of all the things that they can do. So while I hate to see hate to see Bob move on to other things and certainly wish him well in retirement, I, I look at this as uh, an opportunity to maybe, just maybe, be able to uh, turn San Antonio Botanical Garden into the, one of the biggest organic gardens in the country. And that that's my personal hope of what's going to come out of this. And uh, with your many contacts around, if you... If you come across uh, a qualified professional looking for an opportunity, uh, I know the the search is going to be wide, and they're really anxious to, to talk to anybody. The unfortunate uh, point on that, though, is that there's not that many people that are that qualified because no school other than our online course teaches how to do it. So right. it almost you know has to be somebody that's been involved with us or with. Uh, you know, uh, organic food uh, production, the, the landscape side of it is is really a uh, little bit of a problem. But we'll we'll keep an eye out, and maybe if somebody's open-minded enough, yep. pretty easy to learn how to do it, that's for well, sure. Well, and I've already offered my services and yours, <laughs> even though yeah, you don't sure. know about it, to uh, sure. consult and help, help move that direction, but... Uh, um, again, I, it's, it's public knowledge cause it was actually on the news here recently. So I'm not speaking out of school, but, uh, I just, uh, I, I just want to put that out there because in all our listeners, you know, who visit uh, a lot of people, well, you travel more than I'm able to, but, uh, visit a lot of gardens around the country. And, uh, I'm just very much in hopes we're going to find somebody that'll carry on the legacy and expand into, uh, into things that you and I believe in so much. Well, that'd be great. Hopefully that'll that'll uh, come to pass. And one other gardening question I wanted to bring up, because I've been getting more and more questions about it, is uh, bulbs. You know, so many, so many of the bulbs that people see in pictures and the things that are grown up in other parts of the country, and certainly in Holland, are just not really well adapted to our southern climates. Do you have favorites in uh, in garden bulbs for landscapes in uh, our respective areas? Well, the ones that I tend to uh, like the most are the things like spider lilies. Mm-hmm. And I've got some uh, uh, of those little oxblood lilies, and right. they, they would frustrate a lot of people. I've had them for years. You've given me some some more, and I've added to it, and they're 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 tending to multiply, but they're kind of slow, and some people get uh, frustrated that, that they're not a you know, bigger show early on, but I, I love those things. I yeah. love the old 
uh, amaryllis. Mm-hmm. I've got uh, a few of those scattered around. And then the um, oh, the big old lily, I'm drawing a blank on the name, the big old lilies that are white and uh, and yeah, The crinums, yeah, all sorts of crinums. Yeah, yeah. thanks. I drew a blank. We've got crinum lilies around here and there. That's an interesting one that, uh, to grow, too, because... We plant the one we planted. I could only get the hot pink one, mm-hmm. and they're all pure white now. They've all <laughs> converted to white. Which I That's like interesting. Better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that uh, a lot better. I tell you a bulb that I'm not growing right now because you need full sun to uh, do it, but I did at one time, and uh, Odina Branham taught me about it when we did the herb book, and there's information in the herb book about it, and that's saffron. A lot of people think that that saffron crocus is hard to grow, probably because saffron is so expensive. Uh-huh. But that comes from the fact that uh, it's hard to harvest. You've got to do it on your knees and, you know, get those little uh, uh, flower parts picked out by hand. It's the only way to do it and harvest the saffron. But that little uh, uh, bulb is, is quite easy to grow. You know, I I know nothing about growing saffron, so that's going to be something to try to learn yeah, about. Give, yeah, give it a shot. you got the greenhouse going now, and try some in there and in the ground as well. But they basically are planted just like, you know, regular uh, crocus. And uh, like I said, there's just a misconception about them that they're so, uh, because they're so expensive, but mm-hmm. they're not hard to grow at all. On the daffodils, I haven't done daffodils and tulips much in a long time, partly because of my laziness and doing other things, but the ones that repeat, of course, are the best ones, and those tend yep. to be the small ones. And I like, you know, the species uh, daffodils, and I like them better anyway. I think they're really good. Looking. Well, and they're fragrant. Oh, I love yeah. the fragrance of those things. And uh, now, when you say of spider inside the paper whites, I, I love the fragrance of those things inside, and they're so easy to force indoors. It, they're kind of overused, I guess, but still, I love them. Have you seen the article that's, uh, I might have, oh gosh, I don't remember where where it came out, but uh, that people, when, they, uh, when they're growing things in water, when they're forcing in water, they're actually adding gin or some sort of uh, uh, ethanol, drinking alcohol, so to speak, and somehow the stems seem to stay much more upright, don't flop over nearly as much. And uh, there are two or three different theories as to why it works, but uh, it's uh, it's something real interesting, and apparently people are doing it successfully. I guess you probably have to Google and look to see exactly how much and all, but that's one thing on paper whites. The other thing you mentioned, spider lilies. Are you meaning lycoris by that? Because some people think of some of the crimes yeah. as spider lilies, but I love lycoris. That's that's one of my favorite bulbs, too. Yeah, I think I think it's just a nice surprise every year when it shows up, you know, and it's uh, it's a good one. It's a good one to grow. Oh, very good. The one that I have not tried, and Roberta's aunt had them in her yard, was the uh, the snowdrops, I think leucogem. And that's something that I did not, honestly, did not realize would do well here, and I just haven't been able to find the bulbs recently. Have you ever draw, grown those? Yeah, I've got some in the back, as a matter of fact, and they do pretty well. They're pretty carefree as well. I can't even remember planting them, to tell you the truth. <laughs> but, yeah, they're hanging in there very well, so that's, uh, that's a good one as well. Very good. Well, I just I, I wondered what your experiences were. So many people don't care for bulbs because their showy period is very brief, but if you have a big enough garden, I guess if you have a little garden, you want something that's uh, – 
you know, that's a little longer lasting. But I love having them just naturalized around the yard in places because, like you say, some of them come up at the times you least expect. And the things like the lacoris that come up with the blooms before you even see the foliage. And uh, it's just such a pleasant surprise. All of a sudden, look up and see a, a big batch of red color, yellow color out there where you may even have forgotten. I had a couple of Labradors a couple of years ago that uh, helped me with planting bulbs and actually dug some of them up and replanted in their own areas that they thought they would look nicer and i just smile thinking about that when when all of a sudden a naturalizing narcissus which is what they help me with most but when they pop up somewhere in the garden i always think back to maggie and molly and when they were when they were helping me plant bulbs one year by the way speaking of planting and things coming up have did you plant those uh buckeyes that i sent you i have uh, they have not sprouted yet you know they had looked like they had roots going but uh uh, I'm going to put them on propagating mats. Um, I, I finally, I got power to the greenhouse two days ago. That's okay, good. <laughs> so I can plug in my propagating mats now. So yeah, they went into the soil, but, um, sometime well, back. I was going to tell you mine, uh, already had some sprouts. Some of them already had the top sprouts coming out and that they kind of, I, I uh, countersunk them. I left a little bit of the bulb showing and it uh-huh. may have been a mistake on that specific uh, uh, seed because the one that I've got deeper in the soil, two of them, that you can't see the top of the uh, seed, Mm -hmm. they're sprouted. They're already coming up. The ones where I left uh, part of the big old buckeye showing, they're going much slower. So that may be one case where counter sinking them is not the best thing to do. It also may be that when you countersink it and you could still see the seed, mm-hmm. like an, uh, an oak uh, acorn or something like that, you may need to water a little bit more and be a little more careful. So sinking it all the way underground may be better for lazy gardeners like me. Well, I, I if I don't know otherwise on bigger seed like that, I kind of follow the same rule I do with bulbs. People always ask me how deep to plant bulbs, and I tell them however tall the bulb is, that's about how much soil you should have over the top of it because, you know, you read these northern guides and they tell you plant them 14 inches deep because of the frost line and all, and that's simply <laughs> they'll never come up if you do that, but my rule of thumb on most things is just if that bulb's an inch tall, planted an inch underground. So that's about what I did with those buckeye seeds. So uh, hope once I get them on the mat, they'll be up and uh, they'll be up and showing showing some top pretty soon. Well, I I really agree with that too. I just got had it stuck in my mind about how well uh, acorns uh, mm-hmm. germinate when you countersink them, and so I thought I'd try it on that. But I think we'll go back to uh, covering them up completely and deeper in the soil. Well, everybody, uh, get out there and uh, go to the garden centers and get some good uh, gifts for uh, people from the garden centers. I think people forget that that, uh, that places like Shades Green are a great place to do some holiday oh. shopping and get, you know work in the garden as soon as it's dry enough. Don't mm-hmm. be working out there when it's sopping wet. <laughs> well, Glazed you can always before. always be planning and, and perusing your seed catalogs. Maybe next week we'll talk about some uh, specific gifts. We've gotten some fun new things. We've gotten some solar lanterns that actually collect the sun's energy and then sit there and glow all night long. And they're they're made of Tyvek, so they are weatherproof. And we got a new line of hand-painted candles out of Lithuania. There, there's some really good things. And uh, so maybe next week uh, you put some thought into it, and I will too, and we'll come up. Uh, we talked about books today, but we'll come up with some other great gift ideas. 
Sounds like a deal. Enjoyed it as always, and we'll see everybody next week. We look forward to it, Howard. Thanks so much again for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. Certainly. Bye-bye. Mr. Howard Garrett is the Dirt Doctor, and uh, I'll give you a preview of another article we're putting in our newsletter, and we're talking about how much bad stuff many people get off the Internet. Let me tell you what. If you go into the Internet for gardening advice, go to dirtdoctor.com. That's Howard's website, and, of course, he's in Dallas, but 99% of what applies to Dallas applies to San Antonio and the Hill Country. So uh, don't make the mistake of uh, just picking on any old website and thinking you're getting good gardening advice. Go to DirtDoctor.com if you're looking for things that are really applicable in this area. All right, back to gardening here, and uh, we're going to talk to Mike up in Spring Branch and then have a second Mike and then talk to Louise. Then we'll see how much time we have left, but uh, let's get right back to those phone lines. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Bob. How you doing, sir? Uh, just going to be another good day. Uh, let's just say I wore a lot of layers today, however. <laughs> it's uh, it's chilly outside. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. I uh unfortunately haven't been able to get outside yet i've got uh temporarily uh, a, a three-year-old twin girls under my feet and i just wanted to put this bug in your ear bob and and you know in case i can't listen to it well tomorrow uh tomorrow morning at eight thirty, i believe it's on channel 20 on fox uh-huh. 29 uh i believe it's i'm, I'm assuming show advocates in that full measure She's going to address. Uh, she's going to address the Monsanto deal. Oh, really? And okay. Yeah, yeah. Keep in mind, Bob. I got you know temporarily these three-year-old twins under my feet. And I was trying to. I was trying to get them lunch ready and just heard it. Just overheard, you know, a part of it. Uh, but I did hear that it was going to be on, and I looked on the guide, and uh, you know, I'm assuming. Because, you know, sometimes they'll advertise sure. one thing and it comes on another channel. But uh, uh, from what I, you know, what I did here, you know, out of one ear and, you know, and, and one eye and then, you know, one eye and ear on them, uh, they're going to be addressing the Monsanto deal. And something to the effect, Bob, I didn't, again, I did, you know, I wasn't able to catch catch the whole thing. Uh, you, you know, you know something that they were covering up, which is no, no surprise to any of us. Oh, yeah. So, if any of your listeners out there that will be able to listen to it or watch it better, you know, than well. I will tomorrow because I, you know, I, I've got these girls until Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, it's just, it's just your little, your little pleasure and your little work. Yeah, I'll oh. have to see if I can find somebody to record it. I, of course, will be on the air at eight thirty tomorrow morning. But yeah, uh, right, exactly. I, I know, I know, and you know, I'll, I'll have you on, and you know, I'll, I may have that on as well. I don't know. I don't know how much of either one I'll be able to take in right now. Well, but, but it's uh, it's this a nice thing about we can get somebody to record, maybe even archive. But yeah, there's yeah, there's that's what I there that's there's what two. I was th- mention, Bob, because I don't know how much of it I'm going to be able to take in as sure. well. So. Well, uh, the things that I hear, and uh, again, we will see. But that uh, there is talk that uh, they're going to reduce the settlement, but in yeah, uh, return I, I that, that. Yes. in return the yes. Monsanto is agreeing not to appeal, 
and uh, there may be some interesting things come out there. The other thing is just this landslide of uh, new claims now that uh, the courts have found against uh, Bear Monsanto and in favor of the plaintiff. Uh, there are a lot of other people that feel that they have been affected by uh, their health has been affected by, and there's just a, a just a huge uh, number of new things that are going to be going into the courts. So there's a lot of things going to yeah. happen. So uh, maybe that's what oh, they're yeah. going to talk about. And uh, I'll sure look forward to getting somebody to record that so we can take a look here for ourselves. Yeah, and you and I both know, Bob, that there's many things, many things that, you know, are going to stay under under their deal that, you know, you know will... I mean, you'll be aware of it more than me, but uh, it, 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 and out of my half ear, Bob, I, it had something to do with maybe something on the, I don't know, maybe something on the labeling or something to that effect. I just was not able to. Well, we'll just, know, we'll just watch it. And, we'll watch it and see, and uh, we'll discuss yeah. it sometime too, Mike. And good luck with your, uh, with your young minds that you get to influence there. And uh, I know you'll keep them safe from, uh, all the round up residues as best you can. And um, until I talk to you again, y'all have a wonderful holiday season. And we've got the two two best upcoming <laughs> upcoming organic gardeners here you've ever seen. <laughs> I look forward to the future. I'm going to let you go here and uh, talk to the other Mike. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Uh, I was by your... Uh, Shop there the other day, your business, uh, and picked up a whole bunch of goodies here for my uh, trees and my oh, very grass good. and so forth. And uh, that uh, particular product uh, that supposedly brings back things to life that, you know. <laughs> super Thrive? Uh, super Thrive, <laughs> right. yes. I was going to ask you, you know, I, I did the thing according to the directions on the bottle and everything, but then I got to thinking, um since I'm not completely sure about it, uh, according to the instructions, you know, not to uh, not to do it as often or as often or not very often. Uh, but well, I, I well. you know, I don't think there's there's ever going to be an issue. Uh, I'm not even sure why they do it. They put a tiny, a minuscule amount of a synthetic rooting hormone, either endolacetic or endobuteric acid in there, and that keeps it from being labeled organic. So, uh, unfortunately, it's not a truly organic product, but uh, I don't know of anything in there uh, that overusing would hurt other than your uh, other than your bank account because this sure. stuff's moderately expensive, but... I don't, uh, just a tad. Yeah, <laughs> but you only use literally drops of it, uh, and I'm afraid I don't measure. I just, you know, put a little slurp of it in a watering can. But I truly have seen things that I thought were dead had it uh, bring back to life. I know people, you know my business partner uses it uh, to water things in whenever she's planting out bedding plants and things like that, and it just really, really does get things off to a good start. I, I don't fully know the story of it, but I've learned more about it. Old Dr. Thompson that invented it uh, was 100 years old before he passed away, and uh, I, I swore that he must be drinking it because I saw the man a few times through uh -huh. my career in gardening. But it, it is an amazing, amazing product, and apparently it was originally developed back, uh, or the uh, government contracted with him to 
come up with something that would uh, greatly speed up the growth of plants that they could use as camouflage back when we were still worried about invasions and things in World War II. So uh, a lot, lots of interesting things behind it. But it is, it is the most unusual product, but it, uh, it, it really, really helps some places where nothing else seems to. Uh-huh. Uh, the instruction said like a teaspoon to a gallon. Boy, it's that's a lot. They've either diluted it down a lot. Uh, I would, you know, again, a capful per gallon is plenty. Uh-huh. And their original thing, they said, you know, a drop per gallon. So either they've wow. given a more dilute form, but uh, that, again, it's basically auxins and vitamins and things like that. Yeah. And uh, other yeah. other than hurting your bank account, I don't think you're ever going to sure, run into sure. any toxicity issues. Well, I put it down last week into the roots. Uh-huh. And so my question was going to be, but you already sort of answered it, was, you know, uh, I was thinking of maybe putting it into my sprayer and mm-hmm. spray it <clears throat> directly onto the leaves. Um, yeah. Uh, I've done both ways. help help it a little faster or better. Uh, well, and that's what we do to plants that have lost a lot of their root system is uh, they don't have roots to take things up. We'll go ahead and put it on as a foliar feed. Okay. And uh, that's one of its great claims to fame is it really does seem to support root growth. And uh, But if you don't have any roots to take it up, I think foliar feeding is uh, is very efficient, very effective with okay, it. Dope. Sounds great. Uh, thanks again, Bob. You're uh, just, uh, you know, bank of information. <laughs> just love what I do, Mike. And uh, I've, uh, I've spent a lot of years making my share of mistakes. So as I always say, I'm, I'm out to help people avoid all the mistakes I've made. But it's just so much fascinating stuff, uh, both from a scientific perspective uh, and you know, cultural and historic perspective, uh, you and I enjoy a great hobby in this uh, in this uh, gardening business. So, you guys get out and have a good weekend. We'll talk again. Thank you, sir. And one and, more uh, thing I don't hear did, from you. Merry Christmas, and to you as well. Did you get uh, good rains in South Texas out of this uh, hey, system? It's still country? raining this morning down here, um, and uh, it's just you know incredible. I love it. It should be a beautiful year for wildflowers. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look forward to it. Well, y'all right, have the best of the holiday season. It's always you, good to hear from you, Mike. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Let's get back and uh, just uh, get real close to time here. I see Martin Bamba coming into the producer's room over there. Going to have a live in-studio show with Martin and Jim today for uh, your home improvement question. So be thinking of them. I'll tell you in a moment when I open the lines for that show. Right now, I'm going to talk to uh, Louise. Good morning, Louise. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Don't help me tell me you weren't taking questions about potatoes. I almost hung up. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you sound like you have a good sense of humor. And uh, my my engineer this week is Chris, who's uh, a prankster and uh, a tease. So uh, you know he likes you if he's teasing you. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad you didn't I hang up. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't. Oh, I'm determined. Good. <laughs> Bob, we have, some, we have some potatoes in the garden. They're about eight inches tall. Is there anything that we can kind of do to help protect them in case it really gets really, really cold? Well, of course, covering them is uh, by far the what best. What am I going to cover them with? There, there's too much cover with, like, tarps or whatever. Yeah. Um, what I use is this fabric. Uh, it's what they call a floating row cover. My favorite brand is called Insulate. It's the letter N-S-U-L-A-T-E. 
And it's going to give you somewhere between 5 and 10 degrees of protection, which means it may or may not uh, get them through the whole winter. But the thing about potatoes, they can freeze back partially and still come back again. Other thing about potatoes is uh, the plants are pretty fragile. So what I do is, you know, I've um, and and uh, I use this just on rows of almost anything in my garden. But I made a frame out of pipe that is sort of uh, shaped like an upside down U, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, and I used half inch pipe, but I simply put an L on each end and then put legs on the two ends, I take and push that down into the row so that it's about 15, 18 inches above the ground. And then I simply drape my insulate over that like an old-fashioned kid's pup tent. I'll just drape my insulate over that and and put something to weight the insulate down to the soil. The nice thing about it is uh, you don't have to put it on and off, on and off, on and off. You can leave it on as long as you like, and you still get enough sunlight through it for the plants to carry on photosynthesis and continue growing. But that keeps your row cover up off the foliage because potatoes break up pretty easily. So you can't cover them with sheets and blankets and the things that people use for some you know, other purposes that I don't think work nearly as well. But that that is the best way that I would know to protect them. Some people just turn a cardboard box upside down over them. That doesn't work very well because it gets wet and then falls in on things. Plus, if you're using anything that's dark colored, you have to pull it off so the plants will get light during the day. So long answer to short question, I use the insulate fabric, and the way I use it is to uh, just create a little very basic frame up above and just drape it over it like a pup tent, weight the edges down. And let me tell you, I came in from a gift show last year in January as an ice storm was kind of hitting. And uh, thank goodness it didn't take me more than about 10 or 15 minutes to put out about 60 or 80 feet of this stuff to protect some more tender stuff in my own garden. So I can tell you it works. How about spraying them with seaweed and molasses? Will that help a little bit or not? If you'd started it, you know, two, three months ago, yes, if you started it when it came out of the ground. But it's not an overnight thing. I would suggest that you do that because it promotes good health as well as making them a little bit uh, more cold-hardy. But the way that that works is to help start building up the sugars in the plants, which actually act as an antifreeze material. Only thing wrong with it is it takes a little bit of time. It's not something you can do the night before and expect to have good results from. I think years ago, I heard someone say something about putting hay around them, like alfalfa or something like that. You can actually, oh yeah, you you, you can mulch them and just, you know, loosely, but pile it up as high as you can. And uh, the only thing with hay is you've got to be real sure that you're getting some of it that's not herbicide contaminated these days. But uh, yeah, hay, hay as a mulch, that way even if the top freezes back, the lower portions of the stem will do just fine i'd be prepared to plant some more in february anyway but to protect what you already have up and growing uh yeah those are all great ideas lise do you know to what degree they can go before they they really do freeze and stop growing well they'll freeze if we get a heavy frost it doesn't even have to get to freezing but anytime you've got ice crystals on the foliage but uh um they they will get damaged at uh 30 to 32 degrees I thought someone said they still keep growing underneath, even though the plants at the top 
or frozen. Is well, that true? Do you know? yes and no to some extent. The roots may stay active, but remember, they can't do too much growing without that little yeah. uh, photosynthetic, photosynthetic factory. thing about potatoes is they can freeze back once or twice, and they'll come out just from the energy stored in the potato. But this is awfully okay. early to be uh, putting potatoes in the ground. So good luck with it. Let me know how it works out. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for your knowledge that you share with us. Merry Christmas and have a blessed New Year. And to your family as well. And uh, we'll talk again soon.